Welcome to Politics and Right. I'm Igberto Willis, your host. With us today is Dr. Andy Bard-Schmuckler, PhD, a prize-winning author from the uh, former Democratic candidate for Congress in Virginia's very red Shenandoah Valley, former talk radio host, summa cum laude graduate of Harvard University, PhD awarded with distinction in a program specially created to accommodate his original theory explaining how civilization has developed and a frequent columnist in newspapers around the United States of America. Dr. Schmuckler, how are you doing today? Doing fine. Nice to be with you well, again. Great. Uh, in continuation with A Better Human Story, which is a serious politics done right, is doing with Dr. Schmuckler, who has a website already titled A Better Human Story. Today, you pretty much got a bit philosophical. It almost seemed like a sermon in the article that we're going to be discussing today, prescient, especially in these times. We want to talk about how the evolutionary perspective gives us a better human story. And there, there are some items in there that I, I want to, that I think I may want to challenge, but I want you to first explain to me, how does the evolutionary perspective give us a better human story? when we're talking about evolution? Well, I, I think it's important to recognize what a huge set of implications there are. If you have people who for thousands of years were trying to understand the world as they saw it, and they had no idea how that world had come into being, they were just looking around and they, they had no idea how far back time went. And so they came up with theories that were like 5,000 years and special creations and uh, the emergence of, uh, uh, of civilization, uh, like in a matter of generations or something like that. They, they had no idea what science has shown which is very different, that for three and a half billion years, life was engaged in an evolutionary process that created us and that involved certain kinds of, uh, of order that our species stepped out of very recently, you know, like 10 or 12 thousand years ago, our species took a step that was completely unprecedented in the history of life. It was a step of, on the path of civilization, which I define as those societies created by a creature that has extricated itself from the niche in which it evolved biologically by inventing its own way of life. It's breaking out of an order that had taken billions of years to create. And that has implications, but they were not visible to the people who handed down religions with ideas like original sin. What I say the evolutionary perspective shows is that they stepped out of order into disorder, inevitably. Civilization inevitably emerges into dis disorder with us or any other species on any other planet, that's the way it's going to be. And that disorder has a dynamic built into it. It's going to be a war of all against all. 
It's going to mean only those who can prevail in a war of all against all can survive. So the system's dynamic, not human nature. Now, let me... Let, I want determines I want to, the way the civilization evolves. I want to back up a second because... Um, in in when I read the paper in in the, the, there's a gist that I followed and that is we broke out to create civilization uh, that is how it seemed like you're saying and that there was something superior to the civilization as we as human the humans within this planet see it right and I sat down and I thank and I wanted to play devil's advocates for a while and and this is a little bit off off but. Is an, is an ant colony a civilization? Is a herd that has a systemic way of existing a civilization? Are, people, are these, these entities that lives in the, live in the wild never needing particular shelter? You know, we, we, we see civilizations as being somehow superior to all these other forms let, of organization. Let me break in about the, because you, you, let's stick with the ant colony. Right. If we define civilization, I've been working on this for more than half a century. This is what I think is the best definition of civilization. Those societies created by a creature that has extricated itself from the niche in which it evolved biologically by inventing its own way of life. In other words, a way of life, a structure of civil, of its of the society uh, that was not passed down through biological selection but was invented out of the creative intelligence of the creature. That is not the ant colony. They have not extricated themselves from the niche in which they evolved biologically. That is the niche in which they evolved biologically. But when we go from like being like primate bands, like we have been until 10 or 12,000 years ago, into inventing things which can grow without any particular limit, in, in which uh, people are controlling nature instead of gathering what's spontaneously provided by nature. It breaks all of the old rules about size and structure and means of subsistence. It can go in almost any direction. That's not happening with ants or herds of caribou or something like that. What's unprecedented is that you step out of order, order created by evolution, into a new system that was not shaped by biological evolution. And that disorder is very dangerous. We didn't know we were unleashing this kind of anarchy, but that was inevitably what would happen. And so- Well, I mean, that, that occurs because again, we're, we're doing it outside the realms of what's needed. Let's give an example. Uh, was it logical for us to move, uh, uh, from us to leave the equator and move into colder areas? Well, that came with some dangers, and when those dangers applied, we had to use a certain kind of clothes, right, to protect ourselves, unlike those who were predisposed to live in these areas. So, I mean, from, a, from, from that point of view, it seems like a lot of the chaos that civilizations create, uh, I mean, it's constantly solving for the chaos it creates, true? Wait, 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 wait. you know, human beings spread throughout the whole planet before... Right. Before civilization, I mean, Australia and, and the New World eventually. So, and, and they were living in ways that were cultural, but they were pretty much continuous from, uh, with the primate past out of which we had emerged. So they hadn't really 
even though we had fire, which was a big deal, and we had language and we had weapons and tools, basically in terms of size and structure and how they fed themselves, they were pretty much a continuation of going back even before we were human. Probably- so let me, I need to interrupt you here because I, 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 I want to I, I get where do you then say civilization start? Because what I what I see in your statement, and tell me if I'm wrong, is a judgment as to what qualifies a civilization. My way, which is doing X, Y, Z versus the guys who continue. It's got to do with whether it is the creature's creative intelligence that's designing this life. Every other, up until we started doing something like uh you know the domestic uh, the the rise of agriculture or something like that. No species had ever done anything like that. They had never you know invented out of their creative imagination a whole new way that hadn't even got been been uh, uh, vetted by the process of natural selection. So you ask where does it begin? Well, it begins when hunter gatherers started domesticating the animals they used to hunt. And they started planting and harvesting the plants they used to gather. That's that's probably the, 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 the switch that made it possible. They got a degree of control over um, nature that allowed them to grow in population with the imperatives that that creates. And and it be, makes becomes possible to uh, harvest um, uh, to deal with, with over ever more power over nature by creating these new kinds of organization that were not the product of natural selection, but were you know how chiefdoms became kingdoms became empires. This is a this is something which is a different kind of of it's a social evolutionary process that grows out of anarchy, and it is discontinuous with three and a half billion years that went before it. And the evolutionary perspective tells us that was a big deal when we took that step, that unprecedented step. It has major implications, and even though it's been more than a century and a half now since Darwin put out the idea that we didn't emerge five, 6,000 years ago in the Garden of Eden. We emerge out of a very long process in which things get shaped in life-serving ways because that's what survives. And that breaking out of that had implications that nobody could have anticipated. It's not like it's our fault. We're the victims of being the first creatures on this planet that had the the means to invent a a whole different new way of life. You know, the chimpanzees uh, have uh, sticks they use to get the termites, and we're not the only ones that got tools. And there may be languages of, of a primitive sort that are out there among prairie voles or uh, elephants or whatever. But we took it so far that we could transform the way we lived. People invented whole different ways of living. And then they were thrown into an anarchy where different societies, each one representing a different cultural approach, 
Yeah, but different societies are, are, are engaged in a world in which, unlike the world out of which they emerged, the interactions among things are governed by nothing. They're governed by no natural order, and it's fragmented, and there's no human order. They're basically engaged in what Hobbes called the war of all against all, which is the result, inevitably, of anarchy. And out of that, there is a process of selection. Only certain kinds of society. You like my phrase, the spirit of the gangster. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So that especially comes in right here. That The evolutionary perspective shows that when you take that step onto the path of civilization, it is inevitable that the spirit of the, of the gangster will play a disproportionate role in shaping that creature's civilization. I want to read a piece uh, from your article. You said any creature, because believe it or not, my brother, I think this particular uh, statement is presumptuous. Check this out. Oh, any creature, any creature on any, any planet, anywhere in the cosmos that takes the step onto the path to civilization will inevitably get swept up, regardless of that creature's nature, into the same social evolutionary process that has made the course of human civilization as destructive and tormented as ugly at, as it has been. The ugliness we see in human history, and, and then you says, which tells you that the ugliness we see in human history is not human nature writ large. Okay, you think, well, those are I think me, I can prove it. Hold on, hold on, hold on. To me, those are conflicting statements, but go ahead and- No, no. See, I say any creature on any mm -hmm. planet is going to get into the same kind of a mess. And, and the reason is, wherever civilization may have emerged, and we, we don't know, you know whether we're right. unique or we're one of billions or whatever, but they will have evolved, their life will have evolved on this planet and will have created this creature that has the capacity to invent its own way of life, which it will then do, and it will inevitably emerge into that anarchy. Because, because that's what it means when you start inventing your way of life and you've got a diversity of cult of, of civilized societies that have to interact with each other and there is nothing to regulate that interaction. Nothing, nothing that has evolved biologically and nothing that the creature has, has invented to keep it from being the spirit of gangster, the gangster that takes over how its history unfolds. And then, and, and that's why I said, and that's why I said in conflict, because I, I think I, I, I think I was with you. I agreed with the entire paragraph. And then I, then the conclusion was, which tells you that the ugliness we see in human history. That is follows. Not it's not a contradiction. It follows logically. If there are systemic forces that inevitably mean that for the first whatever uh, of a creature's civilization on any planet, it's going to unfold like what we see like this. It'll be full of empires and tyranny and enslavement and tortures and and uh, uh, the inculcation of uh, of cultural norms and moralities that are at war with you with the creature's nature. It's inevitable, is what I. That's inevitably going to be the case, and that means that it is going to be an ugly history regardless of the creature's nature. So I say the ugliness we see in human history is not human nature at large, meaning it is instead 
what is made inevitable by a social evolutionary process that inevitably emerges out of the anarchy that civilization inevitably plunges into. I, I think I think the difference in the in the way uh, we we think about this is that um, you know uh, let let me give an example with let's say gays. Okay, I uh, I learned that I was wrong in in the way I thought about gays, and then not only that, but then if you if for those who believe in a supreme being, a creator, or or whatever, and if they believe that the creator created human beings, and within human beings people have different attributes, etc. Then you don't you you have to say that uh, you know if 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 gayness was a mistake I'm just using this as an example then that is of God right it's not it's not the the, the gay person so I mean when I look at when I look at your statement here that is how I am I am qualifying it I'm saying wait a minute then if if humans created all this anarchy right and the, by having the creation of this anarchy, we get some sort of the ugliness that 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 comes about. Even if you want to say that that's not human nature, it was created by humans, which, in oh, my yeah. opinion, makes yeah, it human see, nature. See, see, you know, I wrote the book, The Parable of the Tribes, which yeah, correct, which which was the book. Which, a lot of pages, man. A lot of pages. Uh, <laughs> The it won a prize, and you know, it, 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 it's it's the the idea that I'm presenting here, essentially, which took over my life starting in 1970, got me my doctorate, you know, a whole bunch of yeah. stories. But you're you're saying that. Say, say it in one sentence for me. Yeah, well, well what, what I'm trying what I'm trying to say is that uh, the the way you got to say it's not human nature. First of all, let me first tell you that I agree with you. Let me let me finish. Let me finish. I agree with you that it's not human nature. But right. I the reason I, I said earlier about the the statement being presumptuous is that the statement that preceded that uh, made it seem to be that after all it is human nature that's no, that's all I see, see in that statement preceded it there was the phrase which you read regardless yes. of the nature of that creature yes so yes. yeah see you can we think that uh we're to understand what goes on in the world in terms of uh what we see the people doing you know like mm -hmm. nazis at auschwitz or something like that yeah. but if you see that it is inevitable when a creature takes that crucial step onto the path of civilization, they will unleash a force of such brokenness, something which is, um, it, it ramifies through the system. And that's a, a, another thing that you can sort of derive from this, that, that a, a coherent force emerges in the system that drives things in a particular direction. And so people are acting, but it is the system that determines how the system develops. I mean, I have a line that I've, uh, that was a big deal to me in the 1970s and the 1980s. That which determines the chooser determines the choice. Excellent. And the, the tyrant, the, uh, a Putin or Hitler or Trump,
Trump-type figure that has this inordinate impact on the course of, of, of human history. Monsters are way overrepresented on the pages of history. Exactly. And, and, and we look at it and we say, these damn human beings, they keep throwing up monsters. But that which determines the chooser is the systemic force of brokenness that I, is molding things over time in ways that make the spirit of the gangster a dominant force in the world. I think that's one of the most important statements here, because, I mean, as simplistic as I'm going to say here, where I preach all of the times that most people are good, unfortunately, most people's votes are ill-conceived, which gives us not good leaders. I, mean, I know you've heard of the benevolent dictator or the, 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 the person who has omnipotent power and never uses it for harm, but just for good. I, I agree with the statement. The ugliness we see in human history is not human nature writ large. Unfortunately, however, we are responsible for, based mostly on our ignorance and gullibility, to have brought those people forth. I think we should, uh, you know, we're responsible, yeah. Uh, but I think we should have compassion uh, for our kind. I agree. Uh, we took a step that was a manifestation of our unprecedented gifts. Uh, other animals, no other animal has been able to take that step. So we should have compassion for the fact that we stumbled into something that we couldn't have anticipated. It wouldn't be reasonable to think that the people who first started uh, planting gardens next to their huts and creating pens in which uh, goats or or sheep or whatever were were pen. It's not reasonable to have imagined that they they were in any position to anticipate that they had put us on an incline that was going to lead to the ugly tyrannies that came five thousand years later. It was inevitable going to inevitably going to unfold in some such way, and we should have compassion for ourselves, even as we hold ourselves responsible. We're trying to put it together before we destroy ourselves. Now let's let let's move on from there because I think that can lead us. Give, given that you're talking about the compassion portion now, can lead yeah, us okay. into can lead us in, in into uh, what we call the spiritual dimension. Okay, oh, wow. so we talked about the non evolution the, the the part of evolution, the, the non evolutionary portion of civilization yeah. being. Causal for what we're done now. What's the spiritual perspective? So, so the evolutionary perspective. I put forward two principles. We we've discussed the first principle, which is how we dabbled into the second as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But the second one, the second principle is that for the most part, whatever we see, it has has been crafted into the inherent nature of a creature. Is the fact that it's there means that it must have been life-serving because otherwise evolution wouldn't have favored the ones that had that kind of a, a characteristic. Now, an important dimension of the characteristics that are inherent to our nature are embedded in the experiential realm. 
that the, the, the secular the first idea I have says, let's get rid of original sin. It's not human nature. The second one says the secular worldview has this stupid idea that the moral and spiritual dimensions are less than real and need to be given less than complete honor because they're merely subjective. They are not merely suggestive. The, 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 environment, the evolutionary perspective says that we have tendencies to experience certain things because they helped our ancestors to survive. And one of the dimensions in which people, and, and we don't, this is not just human beings, everybody with a cat or a dog will recognize this. We experience things in terms of better and worse. We feel fulfillment and we feel misery. We feel pleasure, we feel pain. It's built into us and it's built into us for a very good reason. In order to survive, a creature has to do what survival requires. And life has chosen as one of the key strategies to make sure of that is to create an experiential dimension between the better and the worse. The, the things that feel better, we, we, we pursue. And they feel better because the ancestors who experienced them positively help, were, were more likely to survive, to pass their DNA along in our direction than the ones who didn't feel that way. So we get shaped, uh, you know, I don't know whether it starts and whether you talk about one-celled creatures, but certainly long before you get to us, the, the better and the worse and the, the experience of things being better and things being worse is part of life strategy for for uh, unfolding and, and, and enduring. Tied into the spiritual form. It tied into the spiritual because okay. we're the spirit, okay. the, the, the value thing we got in common with lots of other creatures. It may be that the spiritual is unique to, to human beings, but I, mean, I don't know. You know what elephants do and what uh, gorillas do in the spiritual dimension. I don't know, but I do know that a substantial portion of uh, of the human population, across cultures and throughout history, have experiences they describe as being somehow like a, of a special dimension. Uh, which we often refer to as spiritual, but you know whatever the words might be, but they they're characterized by a, an unusual feeling of depth of breaking through to another level, and 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 one comes back from those experiences with uh, things that one regard regard as important spiritual truths, and they can be motivating uh, of such impact on the people who experience them. That's very often. The whole course of a life is impacted and, and goes in a different direction. So it seems to be a real part of human nature, or whether how universal it is, I don't know. But you know, not everybody responds to music. Is it real? It is real because it is a part of our human nature, and it and it impresses upon us certain things with a special sense of their essential reality. The, the truth, that the, the reality that people see in those experiences feels more real. And so we have to ask ourselves, well, what is it accounts for that being 
you know, part of human experience. Well, and well, I mean, actually, it seems to me like you, you already, the conclusion of your paper gives the answer with one sentence, even though you kind of explain it thereafter. When you say, filling important holes in the contemporary secular worldview. That's if, what I looked at. If, it. if the spiritual dimension, it can be recognized, what the evolutionary perspective shows, as having been life-serving, you know, throughout the development of who we are. And I, I have some thoughts about why it might be particularly humans who have these experiences. Then we can infer that it's been life-serving. And I think it can be plausibly argued that if we look at what people come back from uh, that spiritual dimension with, they do look life-serving. And they... And that is, and as we head into the future where we really might destroy ourselves, we should honor that dimension, which has been giving human beings showing paths that lead to survival. And it can do that for us too, but not if we denigrate it, like the secular worldview, which says, oh, that's just, you know, that's merely subjective or something. No, there may be important subjective elements. Not everybody comes sees the same thing. But the thing that's in there is not subjective. It is a, a, a manifestation of what it takes for human beings to survive. So we should listen to that voice. It is likely to tell us things about, you know, and I use the example of the spiritually transformative experiences of American astronauts. When the first people went out there and saw this blue marble, you know, the first human beings to see it, some people had their lives changed by spiritual experience. I think that there's and there's something mysterious about this, but I think the evidence suggests that people come back from that dimension with very important messages that can help guide us to creating the kind of civilization we need to to avoid blowing ourselves up or so completely destroying this uh, the biosphere that that our lives uh, fall apart too. So, Doctor. Uh, in conclusion, how the evolutionary perspective gives, tell me in, in, a, in a few sentences, then summarize, how does the evolutionary perspective give us a better human story? Well, it's, it, our, our job is to get our act together before we destroy ourselves. The better human story first of all, tells us we are better creatures than we thought, thought we would be. And I think we could imagine how if we had an image of ourselves as, as inherently better, that would fortify us. I think we live down to our expectations. So I think it's better that way. And then the other thing, and I'm just alluding it to it, I think if we take the, the, the issue of good and evil more seriously, and that we didn't get much into that. And I think if we take the met, we look look to the spiritual dimension for guidance more than we do with our contemporary wor uh, secular worldview. Get rid of original sin. Bring in real honor to the spiritual dimension because we need all the guidance we can. Our ancestors survived because they got. They had that spiritual guidance, whether it's shamans uh, in the Siberia or wizards in the, the Amazon. There has been a place for the spiritual dimension to guide human societies for further back in civilization. And now that we're in this mess, 
We really need it. And so we should fully honor it and tune in and, and make the better human story one where it, we can survive on the long, for the long haul on a healthy planet rather than destroy ourselves and take the planet down with us. Dr. Andy Bart-Schmuckler, thank you once again for enlightening us under a better human story. Thank you. Thank you, Egberto. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.